On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are welcoming on our very own insider Coulter as we've got plenty to discuss. Now, we might not have live sports on right now, but we certainly have some topics. And we're going to start off the episode looking at The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary. I've been a big fan of it. I don't know if it's lived up to my entire expectations, but we're talking the highs and lows, especially episode seven, where Jordan kind of pulls back the curtain and discusses on whether or not he thinks he is a, a likable guy or a good teammate. And he talks about winning and leadership, and it just hits home. And then Coulter and I are going to be looking forward to the NFL season. We got prop bets. We're talking rookie of the year, Defensive and offensive, we've got MVP candidates, coaches of the year, and some serious long shots that you might want to take a look at. So we got plenty to discuss, a lot on the docket, so stay tuned for episode 73 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in, talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win, pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo, Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto, keep it authentic and it's always live, so competitive, so you know it's always hype, make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss, going all in here on Double Down Trent, hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always, and joining me today, our very own insider and cultural expert. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. You know, there's so many things, you know, I know we're in a quarantine, but I feel like there's actually a lot of topics that we can hit on. You know, you've got Jordan, Last Dance, you know, you can hit me with NFL player props you got the schedule and then you've got all these other sports that are you know their their fates kind of like hanging the balance here so i mean there's a lot of topics going on it's i know it's slow and there's nothing live on but there's there's a lot of news and it's interesting for sure yeah there's a lot to discuss let's start with the michael jordan documentary the last dance yes please yeah i mean masterpiece it's been great uh I'll, I'll defer to you to kind of give your initial thoughts, but has it met your expectations with what you were hoping this documentary was going to be? Uh, yeah, I think it uh, it started off in a way that I I wasn't necessarily disappointed, but like it just didn't have the heat and like the the hot sauce that it picked up in these last two episodes. I feel like, and now if you because I, I kind of did a five, six, seven rewatch earlier in the week, and those are just like the best. Yeah, those episodes are so good uh, where they leave you with six. And then, and then it starts with seven and the, the dad passes and then the whole seven and then the final uh, five minutes of episode seven is like the best thing other than Better Call Saul that I think I've seen on TV this year. So it's like I look at uh, my quarantine as like I've hit two highs on TV with uh, Jordan and, and Saul. Yeah. I mean, I was watching it with really high expectations. I, I went into this thinking like this has got to be the greatest documentary ever just because of the hype. The trailers got me. And then when ESPN announced they're moving it up, I mean, I think everybody was tuning in. You know, I'm with you here. Seven and eight kind of were the redemption episodes for me. I thought it was good, um, but I never thought there was a, a, a signature moment until that episode seven. And, you know, I've got a few thoughts as a Knicks fan watching this. And, you know, my, me, my age, I'm 35. I rem- I definitely remember the tail end of Jordan. I don't remember the early, like, 91, 92, 93. I don't remember those ones. But I certainly remember the comeback. 
biggest win, biggest winner, I would argue, of the entire documentary, other than Michael Jordan himself, and we'll dive into him, I'm sure. But like, I think the biggest winner is the '93 Garden, uh, that series with the Knicks. Yeah, early '90s Madison Square, and the fact that Jordan repeatedly throughout the documentary, both in highlights and in real time, is praising the Garden. That's what makes it even better. And like the Garden, massive winner, old Garden, massive winner of the doc for sure. And yeah, I, I, I just makes me want to wish that I lived during that time period and that hopefully the Knicks can get good again and then we can return to normal society because, man, it just looked so much fun. Like that Absolutely. just looked like the height of the NBA right there. I've actually got that down as one of my biggest winners is the Garden, basketball yeah. at the Garden. And, you know, I've watched this with a Knicks lens, so I, I never hated Jordan. I actually really loved Jordan my entire life. But he tormented the Knicks. And then when you see the Garden all like at its glory, at its height of, uh, you know, the Knicks were as good as they were. The place was packed. It's a place to be seen. And then just the absolute domination of Jordan. When he comes back, he's wearing his old original Air Jordans. He drops 55 on the Knicks. And he when he comes out and says that playing at the Garden was his favorite place. It was just amazing. And, and I can't remember what song was playing now off the top of my head, but I remember the music that they had playing for that particular episode was perfect. Great segue into the second biggest winner. If not the first biggest winner, the music has been absolutely sensational uh, throughout this documentary. And I think that's one of the, been the key components of it. I mean, it's a great story. And the way that they're telling it in the chronological or the achronological way where they're going back and forth, almost like an episode of Lost. Uh, and it's kind of hard to get a sense of it all you know, where we are in the timeline of everything with the bulls, but like, I, I love the music. I, you know, I love the way that they've cut it and it edited it. Uh, but I love the way that it's scored. And I think that's one of the biggest winners. I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually glad you brought up the timeline because at first I was kind of out on it. Like I, right. just never felt yeah, me I got too. a, like got a flow on it, but you know, as it's progressed, I think I've, I've gotten more accustomed to them jumping around um, but it actually, it tells a linear story when you think about it. I know the timeline's not linear, but they really do piece together like these big moments of his life. Uh, and it's kind of chronologically told that way. Um, but I mean, the fact that you other- have to merge the Michael Jordan myth, I mean, the myth of the greatest living athlete slash ever athlete, I think living or non-living athlete ever, you have to merge that whole, the mythology of that into this documentary that is on its face about one team, one year, one coach, one mission. And so it's like you almost it, it, MJ is so overwhelming that his story becomes more dominant than even, you know, I mean, are we going to remember this doc about, is it the MJ doc or is it the 98 bulls doc? I mean, I think if you ask right. a common person on the street, I think they're going to say it's the MJ doc, but if that's kind of the problem that you have is you're, you're stuffing two turkeys with one, with one. Yeah. Thing. And that, that was my other little nitpick is I feel like we haven't had a ton of the quote last dance. Like I feel like the 98 season has really only been hinted at. And I know we've got two episodes left. I'm assuming they're going to obviously have to cover that uh, as well as kind of Jordan's retirement and unretirement with the wizards. But I want to get a little bit more on that 98 season because I, I like clearly remember that game winning shot against the jazz. I mean, like that has just burned into my head and they, have they even like whispered at it? Have they even like teased it at all yet? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. No. Uh, did they do it in the first episode? I, I, I think they, they might, might have started with it. 
But yeah, I mean, I think this kind of lends into a nice little pivot uh, is, is that, you know, we know where we're going with this documentary and yet it's still so enjoyable. You know, I think someone asked me to compare the uh, this to the OJ documentary uh, Made in America. And I mean, I think OJ Made in America is one of the most important you know, documentary movies, whatever you want to call it, that's been made in our generation. So I think it's a little different, the weight of it. But like, I think when you're talking OJ, we know about the murder, but then I think a lot of people didn't know about the post Vegas stuff where it's yep. it really off the rails. And then this Jordan thing, it's almost like we didn't know the um, what's underneath the iceberg surface. But what's what we can see above it is him nailing the shot over Elo, him nailing the shot over Russell. So it's like we know where we're going on that trajectory, but the, all the interesting stuff is the stuff that's below the surface, which is like the gambling, the death of the father, the competitiveness, his relationship with the teammates, calling out the teammates. And that's what I liked about this last stretch of episodes, too, is you get the dynamic of him testing uh, Scott Burrell, which yep. I thought was really worked. Um, yeah, you had that dynamic, and then they, they, they cut that. I know you and I have been talking about that final five minutes where it's like, you just see them celebrating the cigars in the mouth, the champagne. I mean, that's the pinnacle right there. That's what yep. it's all worth. It's like, you know, and I think MJ gets emotional and, you know, people have pointed this out this week is I think he sacrificed family and what like you and I would call like a normal existence wife, you know, family life, you know, grilling hot dogs on Memorial day. He sacrificed all that to, to do that. The champagne baths, the celebration with the teammates over and over and over again. And like, does it really get old? Like people are saying that too about him. Like, Oh, didn't the winning get old? No. How can no. it get old? That's the pinnacle. Yeah. You're Mount Everest. You're showering in champagne with your teammates after running wind sprint after wind. Like it's so great. The glory of it all. And that, yeah, that seventh episode, I'll be thinking about it for a while. That's why you play sports. Why you yeah. watch sports. It's everything. It's so I good. mean, I knew a little bit about the gambling. Uh, obviously I think this brought it to a whole new light, <laughs> but I think you know, we were talking You're earlier murmurs about the gambling. I don't, I've never watched my childhood idol throw a quarter against a quarter. the wall against a security card. I mean, it's, I was like, it's amazing. What, what is he doing? It's amazing. And you could see the pure hatred like that. He lost in a quarter toss, like it 20 it's, bucks to some guy that's making God knows how little. Oh right. man. So I good. And then you so saw that guy. Did, did you see him in the clip? That same guy with the Jerry curl hair? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. That guy's an internet legend. The guy who plays the quarter toss. Like, yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the gambling because that was uh, another winner, I think, is people are saying, oh, they didn't go too heavy into the gambling. I was like, they gave, I'm a degenerate. They gave me the clip of him throwing a quarter at a wall and betting with some <laughs> stadium employee. They didn't have to give me that. MJ did not have to approve that. ESPN did not have to edit that in there. I loved it. I yep. think that was that was one of the many highlights of the series. I thought it was so funny. I was cackling. I was like, look at MJ. What a degenerate. Oh, yeah. It's great. And I actually relate to that because not just the gambling, but the pure competitiveness. Like, right. Yeah. I used to flip Monopoly boards if I lost. Like, you know, that right. pure rage that drives you, it's great. Um, and it led to – to my, we can talk about Isaiah Thomas. Like I hate Isaiah Thomas as a Knicks fan, what he did to our organization, but the pure hatred that MJ still has for Isaiah yeah. is incredible. But I, I got to give you the, the speech that he, he dropped in us because it was one of my favorite quotes, I think of all time. And people came out saying that Jordan might come off as an asshole in this. People might not think of him the same way. I've actually think it's had a reverse effect. I think he's now, in my opinion, at least coming off even more, like this idol that I thought he was. Here's the quote. Winning has a price. Leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people that didn't want to be challenged, but I earned that right. 
I never asked anyone to do something that I didn't fucking do myself. I mean, come on. I'm going to try and put that quote in if I can find the audio of it because it's just incredible. Winning has a price. And leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenge people when they don't want to be challenged. And I earned that right because my teammates came after me. They didn't endure all the things that I endured. It, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's the end of the seventh episode. And then he says cut, and it's yep. like, yeah. And yeah, the key part of that quote is that uh, when he's talking about it, I never you know, pushed them to do something I didn't do. And it's just like, that's the... I know you wanted to hit on this too, the, the difference in mentality between today's kind of generation and and what MJ was doing. You know, back then the mentality was so much more different. You know, it, it was so much more earned, I feel like, by him. And you, you see him, he's outrunning his teammates. He's 35, he's won five championships. He's hitting the weights just as hard as everybody else is. And it's like, yeah, we can laugh about the quarter tossing and the golfing. But like at the end of the day, wasn't that just a way for him to release and try to be normal? Like yep. not to go back to the quarter tossing. But I was thinking this podcast is called Double Down Trent for for Vegas, you know, all that stuff. And that's just part of being like a guy and feeling normal. And it's like I think that's what MJ wanted to try to do while playing the golf. And like it was just his release, his catharsis, because he was so cooped up and he lived such a, a weird and unique existence that nobody else has lived. Yeah. And I think that's one of the other, not to keep hitting on like our favorite parts of the documentary, but uh, you have to admit that that's definitely one of the best parts of it too, is it shows that. I think it highlights that he was trying to seek normalcy in this life of that is just so like, what about him in the hotel? I know Bill Simmons touched on this in his podcast and has emphasized on it, but like him in his hotel room and just being alone like that, like, like what a life that must've been. It's so strange to me. Yeah. There's two scrimmage footage that they showed in this documentary that I need to be released. And I want you to tell me which one you think is going to be a better watch. The first one is the scrimmage between the dream team where apparently Jordan just flexed his muscles and everybody on the dream team realized that Jordan was the fucking alpha dog. Right. Or, or the scrimmages on the set of space jam, because that looked pretty intense as well. What do you think is a better watch? I would do yes. Yeah, so, so the fun, fun little game to play is how many mini docs would you watch off of spinoffs? And so it's like, yeah, to answer your question, I would watch a three part doc on just the uh, games that were played on the space kit, space jam set. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like there, there's enough there. Like, like me and my friend were joking, like the fashion, like I would do a two episode on MJ's fashion choices. Like how is the richest person in the world and the most like celebrity, like praised person dressing the way he does. It's so like, it's so it's super funny to me. And he's still so, so relevant and still dresses so weirdly. Yeah, I'm very fired up for the end of this. Uh, is there anything that they need to do, you think? Is there anything that they need to touch on to bring it home? Uh, yeah, you know, there's one thing that I would like to see him do in real time or in the present time, and that is uh, <laughs> spark the cigar. <laughs> 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 he's got the cigar in the, the glass of whatever he has uh, what is it? Cavosi or something? scotch or something. Yeah. yeah scotch, something. something, something classy like that. I would love him to just like, while he's talking about an Isaiah or a Gary Payton or somebody like that, just reach over for that huge, uh, you know, Cuban that he's got sitting there. And just, if you sparked that up, while doing the interview, uh, and connected the, the past Jordan. I love the highlight of him in the locker room with the cigar, just like chirping, just happy. Yep. I, like I would just love to see old Jordan and, and young Jordan with a cigar and, and being chirpy. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just fired up for the for the end of it. Uh, I remember watching that last shot over uh, Russell, and I was like, "There's just no way he's missing that shot." I mean, it was one of the one of the few times in my entire sports life where I was like, "This is a no-brainer. Of course, he's making the shot." So we got that to look forward to. But it's fun going uh, back to your childhood, right? Exactly. Yeah. And again, as a Knicks fan, there's been like torment. It's been painful for me to watch this because it was the glory years. At the same time, we still lost to Jordan all the time. Well, what it goes and shows is that every franchise has a window and the Knicks had their, you know, they had their early run when they were just becoming a franchise in like the late 60s and early 70s. But then like they had their window for greatness and Jordan just. You yep. served it. Just on him. <laughs> that's that's what happens when you go against the best ever, and that's the the totality of his greatness is that teams like the Knicks, franchise like that, have not recovered from that because that was their window to, yeah. to do something. And he just crushed it, even when he wasn't there. Um, all right, let's shift gears because the other thing we've got to talk about is the NFL. It's really the only sport with a little bit of glimmer of hope that their season is going to play normal, and we don't have to worry about anything. We covered the draft. Now it's time for us to place a little futures bet. Let's look ahead. Let's talk some odds. Let's talk some gambling. So we're going to cover a number of prop bets that you may want to place a bet on down the road. And let's start off with offensive rookie of the year, because that first round is just loaded with some potential studs. So who do you got here? And what's some insight that you want to look at here? Yeah. So key points for the listeners, uh, three things. Uh, this guy does not need to be on a good team. Kyler Murray was five and 11 last year. Saquon Barkley, as you know, was drafted and was sensational, but the giants were back in the top 10 the year, uh, the next, the following year, they got Daniel Jones with that pick. Uh, it's most likely going to be a QB or running back. Only three receivers have won it since 2000. So you want to look at those two positions and kind of hone in. And then number three is the value is just not there for Joe Burrow at two to one. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to get a lot of volume in Kansas city, but I still like Damian Williams. He's a grown up and could have been the super bowl MVP. I think we've talked about that on the pod. And so I don't necessarily love that for uh, an odds point of view. And then you've got the other two backs, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, those two guys uh, or Ayers, I should say not Akers. Um, the, the value has just been sucked dry. Yeah. And you know, the obvious answer would be a quarterback here. You know, you think about burrow, but we, like you said, two to one is just not a good enough. We can, place a bet on. We can look at those. Yeah. So th- this is where it gets dicey because two is plus nine fifty, and it's actually gone in the opposite direction. So there's actually more value on Tua now than there was at the beginning of, of whatever you want to call it post draft NFL. So that really indicates to me that everybody and their mother expects that Fitzpatrick's going to see a sizable share of time, which is fine to his hip. So you don't really want to bet that uh, it's clear that he's not getting bet on. And that's because everybody's thinking he's not going to be playing a lot. And, and I think that's going to be the case. So then you have to look down the board. Justin Herbert's the next guy, 26 to one. I kind of like that considering the fact that Tyrod Taylor lost his job in Buffalo to Nathan Peterman. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is the media thinks he's better than he is. I think Herbert's actually a lot better than people think he is. And all it takes is one good training camp in a shortened window with coronavirus. They see Herbert's, uh, you know, physical talent and the way he could throw the ball downfield. And they say, you know what? Ty Taylor is not going to throw the ball vertically like this kid does. And you know what? He might make mistakes. He might be young. He might be inefficient, but he offers something that Ty Taylor does not. So I think there's good value on that. And I also think uh, the Chargers could be really good this year. So let's say Herbert beats out Ty Taylor. They win 10 games. He's a shoe in that 26 to one looks really good. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going down the board though. Hurts at 55 to one. I don't like that at all. 
Jake Fromm is the other one I really like at 100 to one. All it takes is Josh Allen is reckless. He runs the football. All it takes is one injury for this guy. And then Jake Fromm, who is this kid, what did he do at Georgia? He won 37 career football games. I mean, yeah, I know he didn't wasn't spectacular at the combine or whatever, but neither was Tom Brady. And look what he ended up doing in his career. At 100 to one odds, I think the situation is definitely right for Jake Fromm. That's a great team in Buffalo. You got a good defense, and all these—it's 101. You know, just put a one buck on it, and you hope that Allen gets hurt. I don't not to sound like crazy, but like that's really what it is, right? It's a small I, yeah. bet. It's a small bet on Josh Allen getting hurt and Fromm filling in. And again, it's the 10 and six thing with that defense. I like Buffalo even more than I like uh, the Chargers, and so therefore you're getting even more than you would with Herbert. Yeah. When you can identify value like that, hundred to one, like you said, put a $1 bet down, see what happens because that bills team was good. We saw Allen right. kind of unfold in the playoffs, but a defense that they've got a strong offensive line. I mean, you never know what the bills. Well, it's weird about this draft and it's, it's skewing the odds in my opinion is, is that from fell. And so you go just break it down on the ranking chart. Burroughs one, two is two. And so we're just going to like knock two off if we're thinking he's not going to play because of hip. So he's irrelevant. And then you have Herbert, and then Hurts, you got to knock him off because you feel like he can't be the starter for 16 games or even beat once out. And then so you get to Fromm right there. I mean, it's really not that far down the board, and you, you're going that short of a distance, and you already get 100 to 1. So I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put any value or any money on any of these quarterbacks except if you want to run that long shot on Fromm. But – Burrow at two to one is just not worth you putting down a bet. No. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid quarterbacks in my opinion. Now I would, yeah, I would say avoid them and do maybe a pizza, small pizza bet on Herbert and then a $1 flyer on, on from that would, that would be my recommendation. I like that. Now, Mr. Model called in and phoned in his choices here. So I want to get your thoughts on on this. So he picked uh, two guys that he really likes. The first one being Deandre Swift and the other one being uh Kavon or Kashan Vaughn. What do you think? Yeah, I nearly jumped up off my you know couch today when I got that text from him. I was like, Vaughn is the guy I wanted to talk about. Boy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is the Yorgos Lanthimos uh, spectac- <laughs> spectacular of this early season of dra- drafting. He was gone from 100 to 1 to 14 to 1. Think of that line movement. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. And I'm glad we can work another Yorgos bet into our options. This year. I know. I mean, the fact that this keeps happening just shows that these markets are so uh, volatile and that there's just something there. There's something to be said that they're like, you know, the steam comes on some of these things and it just, it creates a, a firestorm. Anyways, Vaughn is the running back on Tampa and he's the fifth favorite. He's picked in like the fourth round, I think, or the third round. Yeah, he was not someone that was high on the boards, but I think when you just are put into that offense, they're going to be playing the pass. I mean, think about all the pass weapons that the Bucks have. You should be able to run the ball pretty well. Yeah, this is a, they should be able to run the ball pretty well, but this is a great A example again of a guy whose value clearly has gone bone dry as it was as high as 100. I still think if you want to take a flyer, that's fine. I would I'd say just go with them in fantasy, though. I, it was actually would actually be my real recommendation if people are, or listening to this podcast for dual recommendations. Cause I think uh, it's a little bit risky here. Uh, here's why on the proposition side, uh, he's a rookie running back. And if he can't block, he will not play. And he's also like the sixth option. Uh, he's behind Godwin Evans and the two tight ends, the three tight ends. So, yeah. and potentially Ronald Jones. So there might not be enough for him. And so if you take a flyer on him in fantasy as your last pick or something, you might reap more benefits. You know, you might have a good game here or there. That's yeah. just my two cents. 
I'm going to hold off on dropping my pick here before uh, I want to see what you think on DeAndre Swift. I know that's the model put him out there. Is he going to get enough touches in Detroit? Because Kerryon Johnson's there, right? Well, really, the the DeAndre Swift is another interesting guy, and I'm happy that the model threw him out. Is he ranges on the board from eight to one to ten to one to twelve to one at some books, and now he's eighteen to one at the one I was looking at. So yeah, at eighteen to one, jump all over DeAndre Swift. I think he actually has value at that high of a number. I think if eight to one with Carryon Johnson and Stafford being a throwing, you know, it's a pass heavy offense. I I just there's something about that situation that I don't know if I love, but the value is definitely there if the number is high enough. And, uh, you know, I think the NFC North too, I, I do want to highlight this with Swift. I think the NFC North is actually more up and up for grabs than most people are thinking. Yeah. Wouldn't you I'd agree? agree with that? Absolutely. I, yeah. Especially with the, the drafts that those two teams, like the Packers and the bears, the drafts that they had is kind of head scratchers, you know, yeah. the I, bears I quarterback that, situation is up in the air. Exactly. You have Bears situation with a bad coach, as we've highlighted with Matt Nagy, and you have Zimmer, who I think is actually on the hot seat because Minnesota hasn't won anything, even though he's been really good in the regular season. Cousins is on the last year of his deal, so there's gonna be it's gonna be high pressure in in Minnesota, high pressure with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, obviously high pressure in uh, Chicago. So I mean, I'm looking at the preseason in that division and. There's one team that can just be a little bit more relaxed and kind of come in flying under the radar, and that's Detroit. The expectations are super low. Uh, they've got a coach that's much maligned and just an organization that's has sucked, quite frankly. But so I, I, I do think that uh, there is something to say that they can pursue this season in a more in a less serious way. The problem is I think Patricia takes his job more seriously. You know, he thinks he's like the president of the United States <laughs> when he's really a football coach. Yeah. So the guy I was gonna say has some value to me uh, is not a running back and it's not a quarterback. And it's actually going to be CD lamb, the receiver for the Cowboys. I, I had my eye on your boy, Jerry Judy on the Broncos, but I think for me, the value is more on CD lamb. So right now I'm seeing him at plus 2200. He's stepping into a Cowboys offense that is loaded. Now, obviously there's a offense change The head coach is in there. It's a different system, but for CD, that's not a problem. You know, he's coming in brand new, learning a system just like the rest of these guys. And they've got the weapons. So Amari Cooper is going to get a lot of double coverage. You still have Gallup, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's going to take away uh, attention. So I think that leaves CeeDee Lamb in a really good position to sneak away and have a really big year. Almost like, um, who's the guy for the Falcons um, from Alabama? Shit, why am I drinking? Calvin Ridley. Thank you. His rookie year. I think he can come in and have a, a season similar to what Ridley did with the Falcons. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, you got to like Lamb's position because he has, uh, you mentioned Gallup and Cooper who are going to be drawing the other team's best defensive backs. So, I mean, Lamb is going to be having right matchups week in and week out. Um, the one thing I worry about with Dallas is the, the turmoil with Dak Prescott uh, surrounding that could get really amplified in the summer. Um, and so I, I'm a little hesitant to do anything with with Cowboys. But in on a football perspective, I definitely get why, why you like Lamb because – Theoretically, he's just going to be running in the middle of the field. He's the fastest guy on the field, and he's going to be guarded by the worst corner on the field. And it yeah. could just be—it could just be an exploitation city for Dallas. So, uh, as a Giants fan, I'm sure you're frightened by that prospect. And uh, I think the rest of the NFL should be put on high alert. The only thing that's going against Dallas is that it's a circus down there. And because uh, if everything lined up right, that offense would could put up 45 a game. I feel like. Yeah, it could get scary. Um, okay, so let's move on to defensive rookie of the year. Now, this is yeah, that, a little more up in the air. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say to go off Lamb, 
good transition to defense. The one thing I really like about Lamb too is he's going to be playing in high profile games. And so when you're kind of laying out uh, your bets or whatever you want to try to do with these in the preseason, you want to look for guys who are going to have big situations, especially on the defensive side of the football. But I think that theory applies to offense and Lamb, of course, being a cowboy, ton of national games, ton of primetime situations. That's the kind of guy you want. Uh, especially for a receiver, like OBJ was the last rookie receiver. So yep. he's a great example, big market. That's why he was able to sneak in and win as a receiver. Sorry, let's go on to the defense. Cause that's one of my main points with the defense guys is that it, it, it's like almost a, this stage has to be set for this guy to win the award. That's how it's been in the past several years. Yeah. And this year's draft was obviously very top heavy with defensive players. So you got the obvious ones like chase young, you got Jeff Akuda. I don't know if there is any value in there. So why don't you talk through what you're seeing as some trends and then who might be a good value pick? Yeah. So this one's more dependent on team performance than the offensive. You want to have guys who are playing on winning teams you look at Bosa last year for the Niners. And that's a great example. So the last 10 winners have all played on playoff teams. And as I just said, uh, you're looking for uh, a big moment. Uh, I know it's so hard to do in the the beginning, like in May, you're looking at the season. You're like, what could be a big moment? But like, let's look at two names that have won this award. Marcus Peters had a pick six of Peyton Manning on Thursday night football early on in the season in 2015 that vaulted him into being the favorite for that award. And he never really looked back and he won that award as a cornerback. He was one of the first corners that have ever won that award or only one of the only corners Bosa two sacks against Mayfield on uh, Monday night football last year in 2019 and a forced fumble. He was an absolute monster. I'm sure you remember that game. It was a total blowout. That was the welcome to Jesus moment for both Cleveland and for us as viewers watching the Niners thinking this is a real team. <laughs> so you got to look for kind of things like that Monday night football games where these guys might be playing on. And then you also want to look at who they're playing. If they're playing Brady Breeze, Rogers, those are great opportunities. Kind of like the Marcus Peters playing Peyton Manning thing. And then lastly, it's a linebacker award. 10 of the last 20 winners have been linebackers. Although that trend has been going in a different direction since 2013. Uh, it's been a lot more defensive backs and pass rushers. Yeah. Um, is it worth putting money on chase young? Cause he's the heavy favorite here. He's the odds on favorite. If you were to ask me, who's going to have the biggest impact right from day one, it's going to be chase young. Should people look at potentially putting a bet on him, even though he's the heavy favorite. I think there's two ways to, to get more value on, on the Redskins uh, and then, then the two to one here. I, I think you bet the over on the season win total, which I think is actually plausible. Um, and I'll, and then we're going to touch on uh, coach of the year later. And I think Ron Rivera has a very clear path in my opinion to win coach of the year. And so there's, and chase young will impact those kind of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that way you're getting even more value at, at less than two to one. I just don't see it necessarily. I actually think that defensive line is really underrated and good. And so, yeah, he'll have opportunities kind of like CD lamb to get sacks. But my thing is what if he ends up with only a four or five and then the rest of the line is actually better. You know, what if he improves everybody like they said he would, but like he doesn't show up statistically. So that would be my one fear. If he has less than 10 sacks, how do you give him the award? Right? Yeah, you can't. And that line is loaded. They got a bunch of guys from Alabama They've got yes. Kerrigan. They've got, uh, you know, a bunch of talent on that line. I so can see it point. being a situation where we're all praising this, like uh, Redskins D line in October or November, you know, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be just because of young. Yeah. All right. So who do you got? Who are you looking at? 
I'm looking at Kenneth Murray. Uh, I mentioned the Chargers with uh, Herbert. I kind of like this is like a preseason thing. I'm all over the Chargers. 15 to 1 for him. He has an opportunity to play and stop Mahomes and the Chiefs if just one time that they held him, if they held that team under 24 points and he intercepts Mahomes, he'll be in the conversation. Uh, and he's been renowned by most people in the media and like through their interactions with GMs as the most NFL ready player. He's mature, he's a senior. Um, he was a captain at Oklahoma, obviously. So I like that situation that he's going into. I have already got on that one and, uh, I would recommend everybody to hop on. Cause I think there's good value there. Derek Brown at 25 to one is good value for a top player. He has opportunities, as I mentioned against breeze, Brady, Ryan, that's what you're really looking for. And could he be the next Aaron Donald, uh, you know, at 25 to one, why not? Wow. Pay to find out. He's, he's an intriguing prospect, but you know, to me, Aaron Donald has got that speed and explosiveness. I'm not sure if Derek Brown brings that yet, but you know, obviously a lot to, uh, to play out for, for Brown. What about some of the kind of obvious picks like Isaiah Simmons? Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you brought up Isaiah Simmons. He is the one guy he, um, I don't hate it at five to one because he's going to have opportunities, uh, to improve. And he's also going to have opportunities to make big plays on a big stage against good teams like the Niners and the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, um, Kyler Murray. So, uh, oh, and I should say Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are trending in the right direction. So five to one, that would make sense. Um, I know a lot of people have pounded on Arizona's win total over. So kind of converse of what I said about young, the more value is actually betting Isaiah Simmons five to one than it is betting the Cardinals over. So if you like Simmons to come in and prove Arizona immediately, go with Isaiah Simmons. Don't go with the, the uh, win total. I like it. Uh, five to one's pretty good. I've and got he's a, a linebacker guy. too. Exactly. I've got a guy here that checks off all your boxes. Okay. We're going to get primetime games. We're going to have a linebacker and you're going to have this guy uh, at a pretty decent odds at well, I'm seeing him about eight to one Patrick queen, Patrick queen's my pick stepping into a very strong Ravens defense. Like we said, they're going to be on TV a lot. They've got the high powered offense. Ravens have a history of really talented linebackers. What do you got on him? I love that play. Uh, you know what? I actually think that is a really sound bet. You're getting good value for him too. And he's going to have tons of opportunity and he's a linebacker. Uh, so there, he checks all the boxes. I, I have really no counter to that other than I just don't know if Baltimore is going to be as good as they were last year. And if that team drops off from 14 wins to 11, which is, I think where I have them kind of projected. I don't know if everyone's going to be so gung ho about voting for their guys at the end of the year. That's Lamar Jackson. And that could fall under queen too, but I, the opportunity is absolutely there and the value is there too. So on principle, I have to give it a double thumbs up. All right. I like it. That's my dude. Okay. Let's shift the gears to coach of the year. Now there's some intriguing numbers on the board. There's a lot happening. You obviously going to have teams that are regressing. There's always teams that are better than we thought. Uh, what are you making initially on some of these lines for coach of the year? Just like these other ones were gone over, just be very careful. There's no value at the top of the board. Bill Belichick at 10 to one, I, anything short of winning the division with Stidham and he doesn't even stand a chance. And it's a really tall task to do that. I mean, you're asking a guy who's never started before to go out there, start 16 games and win you the division. Right. I mean, yeah, at 10 to, at 10 to one. I just, I don't even know if there's enough value there, but I, and Belichick's won it before too. So that's the other thing going against him. And like, again, it has to, they have to be that good for him to even be in consideration. And I just, I don't necessarily see it. I could see nine and seven, them competing for a playoff spot. 
I mean, maybe if you want to hedge against some of these other longer shots, that maybe it's a safer one, but I don't love that. Bruce Arians at nine to one. I don't like that at all. I think that situation could become a catastrophe with the COVID them not lining up to play and being a team. I could see them getting off really slow start. That division's impossible. I could see Arians' uh, lack of discipline. He's like the anti-Belichick, not being good for Brady, not being good for Gronk, and everything is just too lax down there, and it kind of falls apart, not to mention that franchise. I know they have a Super Bowl, not exactly a winning franchise over the last 10 years. I can't go with Arians. He's also won twice, too, so throw him out the window. And Cliff Kingsbury, uh, I don't like any coach in that division because I feel like they're going to beat each other up, so he's the other favorite. Um, he's just It's going to be tough for him to gain separation and create a path for himself for winning this award. So I just wanted to throw those three out. Those are the favorites. But there is value uh, down the board, as you mentioned. Yeah, you threw out Kingsbury pretty quickly. I thought he was someone I had circled as a possibility. Just given with the progression of Kyler Murray, they've got DeAndre Hopkins in there. You bring in a defensive playmaker like Simmons. You know, I like your points about that division making it very hard for somebody to stand out. So I, I guess I'm with you there. You talked me out of that. I, I had him circled. But so yeah, the coach of the year is always expectations versus reality. It's kind of like you got to think of it like that. So if you're expecting Arizona to, let's say you think they're going to be an eight win team. I think it's a seven and a half, maybe it's seven. But so if you think they're an eight win team and they only win seven games, how can you give it to a coach who's a seven and nine team that underperformed what you thought they were going to be? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They need to have a really huge season for him to even be considered. I don't know if they make that and big of a leap this year. is a huge liability too, I think. Yeah, I feel like they're a year away. And there's also the uh, Brown fa- the Browns factor is, you know, I know people are putting Kyler on this track that he's the next Lamar and the next Mahomes and he could be the next MVP. And we'll get to that in a second. But like, isn't it more likely that they're going to skew closer towards where the Browns went last year, where this they're the overhyped preseason team. He's the number one overall pick from a year prior. He's small. He's undersized. He has a lot of advantages as a rookie that he takes advantage that are not there in year two. And the team, the franchise and everything around him isn't as stable as it was perceived going into the year. Cause that was oh. Cleveland. In, that was Cleveland in a nutshell last year. If you had told me this guy kitchens, you know, is the worst coach maybe ever. I would be like, wow, like that's a big piece of information. Not that I'm saying Kingsbury is, but I'm just saying like things can go off the track quickly if they're not as, as good as they seem. They're not yeah. stable. It's a good segue because I know you're high on the new Browns head coach. So why do you like Stefanski so much? Yeah. I mean, he's replacing the worst. So huge opportunity here. I mean, t- this is like, this is like uh, taking over a four and 12 team and winning eight games or winning 10 games, which is basically what he has the opportunity to do. You're really, you're like Listerine. You could clean out the mouth of that fan base that is so feels so dirty after kitchens the opportunity for improvement on the coaching side. It's the biggest opportunity that any head coach has this year in terms of improvement, right? Because you're starting at the very, very bottom. They were the worst coach team in the league, possibly ever last year's Cleveland Browns. I can't emphasize that enough. Feel free to tweet at Freddie Kitchen (laughs) so we can hear that segment. Uh, And so, yeah. And the other thing I really love about Stefanski is, is the finer point of this NFL season, which is seven teams are making the playoffs. The Browns can absolutely threaten to get in. All they have to do is get in and boom, Stefanski is top three on every writer in America's ballot for head coach of the year. I don't know if he wins the award, but man, all it takes is Browns in the playoffs. He is in the top three, hands down. There's no counter argument to that. Now he's a first year head coach. Do you put any kind of shade on that? 
Well, I think the, the bar is set low because he is a first-year head coach, kind of like the Kingsbury thing is what is your expectations for this year's Browns team? So let's just set it again at eight wins. Uh, if he underachieves, like I was saying for Arizona, clearly Stefanski's not going to win this thing. But like, let's say he gets to more than eight wins, nine wins, playoffs, ten wins. Then he's exceeded expectations by two-plus games. And I think the bar, to say that the Browns and the Cardinals are eight wins even expectation-wise I, I just give the advantage to the Browns personally. I think okay. they're more. I think they're more built right now to contend this upcoming season. It's a great point about expectations. I mean, obviously he's coming into a team that's coming off a terrible year, but they've got talent, and I'm glad you brought him up too and, and talked about him because I think talent uh, is a big factor in this. And my pick for this team is, uh, or for this this category, is actually going to be Frank Reich with the, the Colts. Now they bring in. Um, Rivers, they bring in Jonathan Taylor, they bring in DeForest Buckner in the trade. Their team is now stacked. They're coming off a really good draft uh, from the year previous with Quentin Nelson, uh, Darius Leonard. I think their roster is loaded with talent, and they made a pretty good run last year with Jacoby Brissett under center. Now, you're going to have to factor in the Titans. I think the Titans aren't going away, but you've got the Texans and you got the Jaguars, who are two teams going in the wrong direction. You got Bill O'Brien always in that division. Oh, so I, I have think, so many Bill O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like Frank at plus uh, 2,200 here. Yeah. Oh, man. I've so, Bill O'Brien's really twisted me. I've gone so many different ways on Houston this offseason. Uh, I love the Frank Reich. Everything you spelled out is great. And there's a real opportunity uh, with the Colts this season because you highlighted it. Jacksonville is a lame duck team. And I think uh, Houston is a lame duck team. And that's the one of the softest divisions in football. I, I would definitely go over on the win total. I love Frank Reich. What is he, 15 to 1 or something like that? I see him at 22 to 1 right now. That's perfect. Even better. Yeah, I was going to say if it's above 20, <laughs> hit that for sure. Uh, he's due as well because I think he's great. He masterminds so many of the great things that uh, that Philly used to win a Super Bowl. So people know him. His name is definitely at the top of media people's minds, and they're the ones who are voting. The storyline is definitely there. The one wrinkle, and I guess you could throw the same water bucket right back at me with Baker Mayfield, is the wrinkle is the quarterback. Is Rivers going to be good enough? That's where uh, every I, I would put the Colts on a fast track as an underdog sleeper team to get into the Super Bowl and look at those odds. But Rivers was so pathetic last year. Yep. And the COVID situation, I don't like new quarterbacks with the COVID situation in new teams. I just don't like it. And the way he played last year, those are two bad things. And then the third thing is, I don't know if you saw this last week, he agreed to be a high school coach. Yeah, that was the I, most, see that. I, I mean, Drew Brees is now a company man. So I got to, you know, I, it's going to sound hypocritical because I respect Drew Brees' decision to come over to the uh, winning team on NBC. But like Rivers is already planning on coaching high school football in Alabama and doing press conferences over that. I'm, I'm a Colts fan. I'm very, very worried. I'm like, this guy, 25 million. Are you kidding? Yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, interesting. To, to your bet, though, I definitely, the value's there. Reich is, I think, a media darling. I think he's a great coach. And I think the opportunity, most importantly, in the AFC South is 1,000% there uh, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of why I looked at the Frank there in that division. I always like to find a division where teams are, are shitty. But you got two other coaches that are potential long shots or potential guys to look at. So who, who are they? Well, Mike McCarthy's actually moved into the top four here. Um, and so he's not a write-off. He's the only top dog that's not a write-off for me. And so this is where you can get a little bit more value um, on a Dallas situation. You mentioned C.D. Lamb. But, like, so this is an, a room for improvement thing. Cor poorly coached team for, for a decade with Jason Garrett. He could really come in and his coaching could make a difference. And people can notice that. 
and it's a high pressure situation. Uh, the Browns is high pressure, but it's a little bit different. Dallas is like the team in the NFL and they stink kind of like the Knicks. Um, so there's an over-evaluation on impact. Garrett won the award in 2016. I can't emphasize that enough for people that are listening at home. It's like uh, Belichick has won the award. Arians has won the award. Guess what? Mike McCarthy has not won the award as a Dallas coach. Garrett won one as a Dallas coach. So, like, just do the math. Dallas coach has an opportunity to win coach of the year. How did Garrett even win coach of the year, most importantly? <laughs> like, I, I mean, take take that as another soundbite. Like, how did Jason Garrett win coach of the year? It's because the opportunity is always there for the Dallas coach to be coach of the year. So, therefore, you can't rule them out. You can't throw them out. The odds are not great, but he's he's definitely uh, in a good situation there. I don't like the line movement, so I wouldn't play it. But I, that's just one. I, I, I wouldn't throw it out totally, though. And then the last one is just Ron Rivera. I love that, 30 to 1. Uh, like the Redskins to be a sneak team. If you can dominate the line of scrimmage, you can dominate in football. The Niners proved that last year. They were the best team in the NFC for that very reason. I don't think the Redskins are going to be very bad for very long because they've got a great front. I think they will rise. If it's not this year, it will be the next year. Uh, again, the quarterback situation, not great, but uh, I think Rivera gets a lot of slack or gets a lot of credit as the season goes on. If Haskins is bad and they're still good, if they're eight and eight, nine and seven, and Haskins is terrible. That's only going to play in Rivera's favor. And there's just a ton of value. Um, there's just a ton of value. I mean, yeah. he's one of the, he was one of the last coaches listed. And he, as we went over in, I think, November or December, one of our pods, is the top six coach in winning percentage during his time in Carolina. So why is he one of the last coaches listed here? He's taking over a horrible franchise in a big market, has a huge opportunity in a great division, historically great division, as you know, as a Giants fan. Why is Ron Rivera the fourth to last name on this list? He's above Adam Gase, Bill O'Brien, and Doug Marone. That's crazy. What am I missing? He's an amazing head coach. He was only great in Carolina. He only did one thing in Carolina, win games. Yep. I think he's uh, actually getting the benefit of the opposite side of the Mike McCarthy thing where the expectations are just low for the Redskins. So that way, if he exceeds them even a little bit, then all of a sudden he's looking like a really good coach this year. Absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's paired up with Marone here at the bottom because everybody thinks that the Redskins and Jaguars are going to be the two worst teams in football. I just don't see it. Like I know Snyder is a mess and I don't like betting on bad owners, but like, I think Rivera is a good enough and competent coach and leader. And he's changed the fundamentals of that franchise enough. that I think it's just going to override Snyder. I think he's actually just a good coach. And like, well, we'll see, we'll see how really good of a coach Ron Rivera is because if yeah. we can overcome Dan Snyder, this guy is one of the top 10 coaches in the NFL and will be in my mind forever. And, and so it's like, I know people give him a lot of, uh, not forever, like all time, but like in current day and people give him a lot of hard time being riverboat Ron, but like, if you can overcome Snyder, you deserve it. And I think he did a great job in Carolina and there's a lot of value there. Absolutely. So let's move on uh, to <laughs> MVP because there's offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and there's MVP. MVP is always almost always won by a quarterback. So do you want to look at MVP or do you want to look at offensive player of the year? Let's do uh, MVP. Okay. So like we said, it's a quarterback, quarterback driven award. award. Absolutely. What do you got on this one? I think there's uh, yeah, quarterback award. Uh, there's no value at the top as Mahomes is one in 2018 and Jackson is one in 2019. And we've seen long shots win recently. So that's important. Four to one odds, I guess is okay for Mahomes. If you think Kansas city is going to be the best team and by default, he'll win. It's not terrible, but like, I just don't, I don't like doing, I don't like a future. That's only four to one where it's like the chiefs just bet the chiefs to win the super bowl. If you think the chiefs are going to be so good, you know? Yep. Uh, and you'll get a little bit more value, I think. And then Mahomes could get hurt too. And so that's why he didn't win last year. So it's like, you, you know, the variable there. 
Um, anyways, again, no value at the top. Russell Wilson, 10-1. Kyler Murray, 11-1. They're playing each other in that NFC West as we went over. The value just was sucked dry on both of these guys. Murray was 35-1. to It's too late now. If you like Murray, sorry. Draft him in fantasy football. You know, like it's one of those things where it's like there's no reason to draft to pick Kyler Murray ten to one, eleven to one to win MVP. It's such a long shot. That defense is going to be terrible. He's small. He could get hurt at any moment. And we saw it go off a cliff with Baker last year. I just I think it's going to go more closer to Baker and less towards Lamar Jackson for Kyler Murray. Uh, value and this is going to sound insane. Hit me with it. It's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I'll make a three-year prop bet for Double Down Trent. We can follow up on this every single year for the next three years, barring an injury. This is a personal bet. Anyone can take it with me at any time they want. I'll lay it. This is the best odds we'll ever see Deshaun Watson at, 25 to 1. Public opinion couldn't be lower on Houston. This is the best quarterback potentially of his generation. This guy could be better than Mahomes. This is the Jordan waiting in the wings. Jordan waited for seven years. He lost. He lost. He lost. He lost. He lost. He got pummeled. He got hit. He got hit. That's Deshaun Watson. He could be Michael Jordan. He could be a sleeping giant. There's no telling me that this guy can't be the best quarterback of his generation. He is so good. He is the best player on his team. And everybody and their mother is going to give him so much credit if they're 10 and six and winning the division again. And as we already pointed out with uh, Indianapolis, that's a weak division, I think. And he could win that division. He's got Bill O'Brien too, which is working against him. I was going to say, I love everything about this, except for they jettisoned the wrong person. They sent DeAndre Hopkins out of town. They should be sending Bill O'Brien out of town. That's the only hurdle he's got to overcome. I can't believe that I'm actually going for a guy who's on a Bill O'Brien team. But like, I think in this case, the value with the talent, the way that I look at it is Watson should always be a top five guy for MVP as long as he's in his prime, which he is, right? So he's actually 11th right now. So he's tremendous value on a team that's going to be pretty good. And they have primetime games against Kansas City, Baltimore, Minnesota in September. They go two and one in that stretch. He has vaulted into the top three and you've already got your value there. I don't know. I just, I see it. And it, again, the storyline is going to be there. Everyone's going to be sympathetic because Bill Bryan sucks and they traded away Hopkins. So it's going to be, if, te- if the Texans are good, everybody will love Watson by December. He will be the story of the NFL, right? Yep. I think you nailed this, the sleeper aspect of this. You know, I don't think anyone's expecting him to have as good of a season as he has previous years, but that sets the ground for low expectations. Now, if he just exceeds it a little bit and kind of has that fuck you, Bill O'Brien year, like you can trade away my talent. I'm still going to come out here and be the best player on this field. I do like the value there. And this is an important note on this one. I'm going to call another future here. I guarantee that Watson over the next three years will not ever be this low 25 to one, but I'm I'll double down and say that I actually think this number gets better for the betters. I think more people are going to bet on Lamar and Patrick Mahomes and that the line will adjust against Watson. And I think you can get him for 30 to 35 to one by August, pay wow. attention and keep an eye on this because I think public opinion on Houston is so bad that this guy's going to keep going down the board. Someone like a Matt Stafford might ascend above Deshaun Watson, that's where you push. So just keep an eye on that, everybody. I'm glad that we got to hit on MVP because I think this one's like a real gem. And I hate Houston and I hate Bill O'Brien and I've already gone under on their their win total. But like, man, the opportunity is there for Deshaun Watson. I I really like the motivations for picking Deshaun Watson. And it comes down to one word, Colt. Are you ready for it? Spite. Right. Now, I think you've got a good one. And their one. team's not bad, right? Their team's right. not horrible. They could they've be got, good offensively. They've got talent. They brought in Brandon Cooks. If he stays healthy, 
you know, they've got it's weapons, a lot of so I ifs. like it. It's a lot of ifs, but I think if it all comes together with him being this like centrifugal force, he could be the driver. And I think he's that talented. So that's what I really like. I think yeah. he could be, he could be good enough to be like Russell Wilson and unite everything on that team that might not totally click. And then they're off and running. And that division is definitely theirs for the taking. Yep. Now I too am picking a quarterback with spite, but it's not one that people you like Rogers. I like Rogers. I think he comes out with I the ultimate fuck you season. I mean, he's got the weapons too. Granted, they didn't do him any favors by adding any, but he still has Devonte Adams. He still has Aaron Jones. I mean, the lineup is stacked. I think he comes out like on a mission from God to just say, you know what? You're not going to give me weapons. Fine. I'm going to take this whole team, put them on my back and just shove it up your ass. <laughs> I looked at Rogers long and hard while doing this and really contemplated him and really liked the narrative too, I should say. So you got to, you got to th- one thumb up. I don't like it as much <laughs> as the queen, but so the one thing I don't like about Rogers is that he is so not appealing to the people that vote on this. Uh, he's, I think he's pissed off a lot of media people with his personality over the years. And so therefore it is a personality award. It's a storyline award and he just has to give the extra F you. So like whatever, whatever you think his dream season is, there has to be like two extra F you's on there for him actually to get the MVP. It could happen. But like, I'm just saying that there is that like inherent, he has to climb the mountain and then hit the next peak above the mountain, so to speak. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. He's got to. See, and it's the complete opposite of expectations that we just talked about. Everyone knows Rodgers is really good. You're going to have to right. really have a hell of a season. So I, I like that counterpoint. Can I give you my long shot? Yes. I, I think this is a long shot award, too. I didn't know if I, I don't know if I mentioned that at the top. But again, Mahomes and, and Jackson were both long shots when they won. So this yep. is a long shot award. Please do. It is a long shot award. And I am really not following the rules here because we just said this is a quarterback award. Now, you're going to call me crazy. You're also going to call me a homer. I'm picking Saquon Barkley, baby. The Giants offensive line has been slightly rebuilt. We've got a competent quarterback coming into his second year in the NFL. Now, granted, that can produce some slumps, but I think you're actually going to see Daniel Jones take some step forward. If Saquon is healthy, you've now got Jason Garrett. And I never thought in my entire life I'd be saying this, that I'd be happy that Jason Garrett is calling our plays. But... I would like to show you what he did last year with Ezekiel Elliott. Bar- Barkley was got his touches. That's exactly. a great point. Yeah. He's going to get a ton of touches with an like rebuilt offensive line. If you look at Saquon's rookie year, he put up 2,000 yards with a shit team around him. Eli Manning was dead in the water, and he still was the, the most amazing guy in the field. It's going to take a historic season for him to even be in the contention for this uh, award, but at 60 to 1, I don't hate throwing a couple of bucks on him there. You know what? I, I, I like the value and I think it's a running back is due. And I, I, Derek Henry is my long shot kind of running back type. So I think we will see, a, it will be all quarterbacks for the rest of the time. We will see a running back eventually win again. It just takes a Saquon Barkley to have a Barry Sanders type season, right. To win the award and take it by its throat. And he could do it. And so that's why I really like it. I like Barkley. He has the potential to be Barry Sanders esque to your giants franchise and take you from five and 11 to nine and seven in, in contention. He's that good. So the value is definitely there. And I like the Garrett thing too. That's so great. He is going to run it into the ground. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. My one, my one wrinkle here is actually not on the, the bet side. It's actually a personal side is if Barkley wins this award, doesn't it come at the cost of Daniel Jones's ego or whatever you want to call it? He becomes 
the Scotty to, to Barkley's Michael, and then that could be long-term not great for your franchise because he could become a wet noodle. I think it's a fair point, but I actually, yeah, I think Daniel Jones strikes me as the kind of guy that is, is more like Eli. That doesn't want to He's be happy to defer the, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fine. A, I mean, I, I was just throwing it out there as a precaution. It's very Giants, fair. Not for the best. It, yeah. It's a fair thing to, to be concerned about, especially if your quarterback is taking a backseat, but I think he could be that leader, but doesn't have to be the vocal kind of face guy. Like I, I think that's going to be Saquon. He's going to be the attention guy, the media guy. And that kind of might allow Daniel Jones to kind of step back out of the, the spotlight a little bit. I also like too, as we, we talked pre-draft and I was kind of trying to angle just, just to upset you angled Jerry Judy to the giants, but like, I don't necessarily love the giants uh, threats on the outside as receivers go. And so that builds your narrative of Jason Garrett running this guy into the ground. So, I mean, yeah, you really convinced me here. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> of Jason Garrett calling 40 run plays in a game and the giants with Sterling Shepard and all those concussions and Slayton, those are their two receivers. And yeah, Jones, I could see him deferring and just letting Barkley just carry the entire team all year long. Yeah, that could work. It could. All right. Our last one uh, for the show here. Let's get to defensive player of the year. A lot of good options. Very top heavy. Who is your initial uh, favorite that you like? And what are some trends that you spotted with this category? Well, first and foremost, Stefan Gilmore won last year as a defensive back. And I think he was the first ever. I, we, we have to look that up in research, but I'm just going to go off the cuff and say that he was. So that's a huge trend breaking thing. And that's why I'm kind of angling on doubling down on it. Uh, Der, Derwin James at 20 to one. I like him and I like Minka Fitzpatrick. He was in consideration for that award last year at 33 to one. Um, Pittsburgh's defense is really good. And so is the chargers. And I think that these guys are the two best players on those two defenses. And if they're the best defenses, they could just win the award by default. Kind of like how Gilmore won last year for new England. Right. I mean, yep. Gilmore didn't do anything sensational. If anything, I think Fitzpatrick and James are bigger playmakers. Right. I mean, how many touchdowns did Fitzpatrick have last year? Four or five. Yeah. At uh, least. Yeah. I mean, Gilmore is great. Not nothing against Stefan Gilmore, but like, he's not as flashy as these two guys. Um, and I just think that they have situations that are very much like New England last year, where I could definitely see the Chargers being the best defense in pro football at the end of the year. I know it sounds absurd, but like I really think they're loaded, and if they're healthy, this team could be really good on the defensive side of the ball. And Pittsburgh, same exact thing. I mean, literally carbon copy of what I just said about the Chargers. I love Derwin James. That is a fantastic pick. A quick side note: I'm playing a Madden fantasy season. I did a fantasy draft and Derwin James is my stud defensive back. He's he making you look like a genius. Yep. He won this award in my Madden season, had 14 forced fumbles. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a Derwin James in LA new stadium. There's like an angle there that I could definitely see. And again, I love the, uh, I mentioned it with uh, the rookie too. playing against Mahomes is such a good out, uh, opportunity for anybody and so you get two opportunities against him. I, I kind of like that. And the other thing I actually kind of like about Derwin James is nobody has attacked him yet. Some of these other guys, Khalil Mack, there's been a run on. Miles Garrett, there's been uh, action on. Von Miller, Tredavious White has come down from uh, 60 to 1. He's 25 now. And you know, so you see some of these other guys like Darius Leonard on your Colts. Uh, they, he's also come down. Nobody's pounding action on Derwin James, so I kind of like that. It's amazing. He kind of flies under the radar. Uh, so you've got value on him. I don't think anyone's going to change and sway that line by all of a sudden putting heavy action on him. So I think that under the radar playing in, in the weird stadium they played in last year, 
definitely helps his case this year to have a breakout season or at least be on people's radar. Um, now there's a lot of pass rushers. We talked on a few of them already. You don't think this is going to go to a defensive end or, or a D lineman? No, I don't. I think that the edge rusher needs a sensational sack number. And I think because of the COVID situation, I just think that their endurance of a pass rusher, I, I think we're going to see less sacks as on a whole this year as a league, I think. And I, I just, I don't see the defensive MVP unless they have 18 plus sacks winning this award. So yeah, if Cleo Mack gets to 18 sacks, sure. He, him at 10 to one is great. But like, I just, I don't know if necessarily know if I see it. I don't think that he's playing across another great player where they can't just double team Mac and just try to play, you know, schematically that way, just isolate Mac and make sure he's, you know, out the way. And then Garrett, I kind of like, but like, I just think he's going to have the narrative going against him. Um, and Von Miller. Yeah. I mean, 18 to one, he's playing against Chubb. So he doesn't have the problem that Mac has necessarily, but I, I just, I, the team has to be good. I, I think that's an important thing too. Uh, you see a lot of the time the team is good. Uh, Aaron Donald somehow is the favorite. I, I think the Rams are trending in the wrong direction there. Watt is overpriced. The Texans are trending in the wrong direction too. Uh, I don't know. The, the team has to be pretty good. I think um, another player I really like is Marshawn Lattimore. I think the saints are going to win a lot of games, right? And yep. he's like, and he's like Gilmore. He's super talented. He could be the game's best cornerback this year right I think Gilmore was last year I think Lattimore easily could take that mantle this year he has opportunities galore too against Julio Jones and Mike Evans um so I don't know I just I don't I don't love Von Miller at 18 to 1 I know I'm a Broncos fan but I, I just don't feel like the values there he's had so many great seasons and has never really sniffed this award right yeah and he's starting to get up there in age not that you know he's old but you've got guys that play the same style that are younger than him that should have a better season you think, but, and, and I think a keynote too, and you just use your inside information with the giants. I think, uh, for the Broncos, the one thing I can shed a light on for people that might think Von Miller is like, we're schematically a different team or philosophy is different. We're now going to be trying to run and gun with the chiefs. We're yeah. An offensive team. Now it's like we're the Manning defensive years or post the Manning. And then the post Manning defensive years where Miller became a hall of famer. And, you know, I love Von Miller. Those are over now. We're totally switching gears. So we're going to, I think the Broncos, we're going to see a lot of 30 point type games and the defense is not going to be statistically what it's been. And therefore he can't even compete in this award. Yeah. I'm going to throw out a long shot. It is another defensive back and it's continuing with my spite trend. It's Jamal Adams. He's oh, kind of been under the radar last year. He was my yeah. guy last year. Yeah. You know, like there was that. talks about him potentially getting traded this year. He had issues with the front office I don't know if he's in a contract year or not. I, I don't think he is, uh, but he's a guy that is just incredibly talented, anchors that defense. Now, the only thing about betting on Jamal Adams is you're betting on the Jets having a good year. And if they have a good year, I think he's got a chance at this uh, at this award. But it's a long shot. And I just think he comes out ready to play, spite at the highest, trying to get himself either traded or you know a new max contract. Yeah, this guy is super talented. He could definitely do it on a talent level. I think my one apprehension would definitely be what you just laid out is the Jets would have to be 10 and 6 type good for yeah. him to be in consideration. I definitely could see the spite season, though. So that is definitely within play. Um, and he's going to have a lot of eyes on him. And if he's making plays like Minka Fitzpatrick made last year where he's you know picking up fumbles and going for touchdowns while all the attention's on him, while he's playing in a big market, yeah, I could see it for sure. And he, yeah. again, the talent's definitely there. 
And it's always, you know, you, you like to find guys that are either in that contract year that are, have a, a little extra edge or an extra reason to play a little bit better than they do. I'm not sure. I'll have to look this up and we'll circle back to it on another episode, but he, he might be one of these guys that you could circle in as trying to get a new contract. Who's going to overperform uh, from his regular highs that he normally plays at. But I think he's got some extra incentives here. Well, Coulter, we covered a lot this episode. We've got a lot more to cover too in future episodes, because right now all we really got for betting is NFL futures. So we can, do an, we can do an episode on receivers, an episode of quarterbacks. So there's props galore. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know, just do a slow summer rollout. I love the NFL. I can talk about it forever. And uh, yeah, it was good talking with you. The Jordan thing has been great. Um, oh yeah. And very excited to see the end of that. And so, yeah, sports are not on right now, but they're not, they're certainly not dead. They're very much alive. And Very much but, so, sir. I'm really fired up for the end of this uh, Jordan documentary, but Future episodes of Double Down Trent. Let's cover some more prop bets. Let's see what's out there, my friend. Let's do it. Great show. Thank you. All right. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.